Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Brother Michael, do you know what I'm preaching today? Did I tell you anything about my message? Thanks for stealing it. I had a great message for Easter, a traditional message. And yesterday, while the choir was practicing, the Spirit of God moved, and I had to leave, practice, and take this message. And I am so convinced that this is a message that every one of you need to hear. You are going to leave here today encouraged. You're going to leave here feeling like Jesus loves you. And he's got a plan for your life because he does. Your life is not without purpose and without meaning. In some of your cases, it's just misdirected. So today I want to talk about all things according to God's plan. Now at the end of the Old Testament, after the book of Malachi, we have 400 years of silence where God does not speak through any of his prophets. It appears that God's not speaking to anyone anymore. But then we begin with the New Testament and the birth of Jesus Christ. Now Satan's plan was was working pretty well for him. He knew that God had established the law. He knew that people relied on their own self-righteousness. They wanted to brag about the parts of the law that they kept. But I believe he also knew what Romans 3 and 20 says, therefore by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified in his sight. No flesh justified by their own works or their own obedience to the law. So he said, I've got a good thing going here. This is working out pretty good. I've got people full of pride. I've got them convinced that they're righteous. This is working good. But along came Jesus. And Jesus, you started messing with Satan's plan. And he didn't like it. And Jesus started saying things that talked about the heart and talked about the mind of a person. He said things that said that there needed to be a fulfillment of the law, not just a written law that we all tried to obey and that we all failed at. He got to the heart of the matter. He started healing people that were sick. He started preaching the gospel to the poor. He was ministering to multitudes. And Satan was saying, this man is messing with my plan. And so he decided he'd have to change his plan just a little bit. And so his plan then became, I will come against Jesus, starting with the authority of Israel. I will inspire the king. I will let the high priest, the scribes, the Pharisees feel threatened by Jesus' ministry. They sit in the high places of the synagogue. They like to be called rabbi and looked up to and obeyed. So I will appeal to their pride and I will come to them and say, hey, Jesus is going to take your spot. You're losing ground. This guy's going to take over. He needs to be dealt with. 
He would inspire them to come to the times that Jesus spoke and, and look for ways that they could twist his words or, or, or catch him in something that they could use against him in a court of law. And so Satan began to put together a team of characters. Characters. Characters that would lie about Jesus. Characters that would betray Jesus. He caused division amongst the disciples. He inspired the judges. He had him brought before Pilate and beaten and convinced even Pilate that Jesus should be crucified. This is the only time in the history of man where a man has been found innocent and punished. But it was all a part of God's plan. He allowed it to happen. John 1 and 11 said, he came unto his own and his own received him not. So Satan determined that what he was going to do was he was going to make an example of Jesus. And that's exactly what he did. And thank God he did, because he is our example. We are no longer following man. We are following God manifest in the flesh. He's our example. He's our leader. He's our ruler. Take a look here in, Gen in Genesis chapter 45. You see, Satan never realized that he was actually playing right into God's plan. Never knew it. The princes of this world, one of them is the prince of the air. Can I get an amen? The prince of the air did not know. He did not know. Even in the temptations that you read about in Matthew, he always began by saying, if thou be the son of God. He wasn't sure. Do you remember Joseph's life? Do you remember the comparison between Jesus and Joseph? How he was betrayed by his brothers and sold as a slave? How he was betrayed by the people of that nation, lied about, thrown into prison? How at his darkest moment he was able, able to keep his integrity? He said, if I'm a slave, then I'll be the best slave that I can be. If I'm a prisoner, then I'll be a model prisoner. God is still with me and God was with him. No matter where he was, he kept his integrity. And we all looked at him and said, what? And I'm sure he had to think in his own mind, what is this all about? Why, why if I'm trying to do the right thing, are all these bad things happening to me? But I want you to know that when bad things happen to good people, it's still a part of God's plan. It's part of the plan. We don't see it at that moment. But listen to what Joseph even said to his brothers when he could have punished them and returned what they had given to him. Genesis 45 and 7 says, it was God, not you. It was God that sent me before you to preserve you a prosperity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. All these bad things happened so that I could be positioned. Somebody say, I understand. You, you gotta be able to understand this. The bad things that are happening in your life, it's not the devil, it's God allowing it. 
Because we know, and Michael quoted it, Romans 8 and 28, we know that all things work together for good to those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. And when we go through bad things, it does something for us and it does something for everybody around us. And if Joseph hadn't been sold as a slave, cast into a prison, he would never have been a savior to Israel. But that's what he became. And I'm sure that Satan thought, oh, I'm going to make an example of Joseph. Yeah, you did it to yourself, Satan. You didn't know God's full plan. Didn't know God's full plan. John chapter 20, we read the account of the resurrection according to John. Verse 11 says, Mary stood without at the sepulcher and she was weeping and as she wept, She stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. She saw two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. They say unto her, these angels, woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, because they've taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back, and she saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? But she, supposing him to be the gardener or the keeper of the garden, said unto him, Sir, if you've hid him hence, tell me where you've laid him and I'll take him away. And then Jesus said unto her, Mary, aren't you glad that Jesus knows your name? I I am so thankful to know the most powerful name on heaven and on earth, but I'm so glad to know that he knows my name and that he can speak to me and he can speak to you. And when he calls your name, you know it. You know when God's talking. Lazarus knew. As soon as Lazarus heard his name and Jesus said, come forth, he came forth. One day... Jesus is going to call your name and it's going to be called the rapture of the church. And everybody goes. He knows your name and you know his name. And she turned herself and said, Rabboni, which is to say master. And Jesus said unto her, touch me not. I am not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend unto my father and your father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. He gave a visible, personal appearance to Mary and assured all of his disciples for 40 days that he was alive because everything that he preached hinged on the fact that he could raise himself from the dead and that we could have eternal life. That's what this is all about, folks. We're not just celebrating his resurrection, we're celebrating our resurrection. He said, because I live, you will live also. You see, all of the bad things that happen to us, they turn out for our good. God is not selfish. He's not just putting on a show. He's fulfilling a plan. Now we can look back. We have the advantage of hindsight. We can see that out of lies comes the truth. Out of humility comes 
power. Out of his stripes comes our healing. Out of his innocent blood comes the remission of our sins. And out of his death comes our life. We are the recipients of God's perfect and complete plan. And so we come to church today all excited and all hyped because we fulfill 1 Corinthians 15 and 56. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? I know it's difficult to lose a loved one, but it's only temporary if we're in Christ. It's difficult for those that live it's a reward for those that have died. Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of the sin is the law. But thanks be to God. Thank God for a death? Yes. Thank God for death, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And just as Joseph went to prison, Jesus also went to prison. And we're going to read about that in just a moment. But from the prison, we go to a mansion. How's that for a turn? It's exactly the same thing that happened with Joseph and it's exactly what's going to happen to the bride. From the prison to the throne. From the prison to the throne. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, John 14 and 1. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Oh boy, that's something to look forward to, folks. And the next time you're not happy with your situation, realize that it's only temporary. The things which are not seen, those are eternal. Now, Sister Kylie, I have the advantage of having my wife upstairs today, so I need to switch this. I would like you to go to Matthew chapter 16 for a moment. Matthew 16, I'm going to switch Matthew 16 and Revelations 1. Matthew 16 and 15 said, who do you say that I am? This is what he asked his disciples. Do you know the full plan? Has it been revealed to you? Jesus or, Jesus, or Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God or the flesh of God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Aren't you glad to know whose church this is? And the gates of hell will not prevail against it, and I will. He didn't say I am. Did you see that? He said, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever, these keys, 
Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So when Jesus died, he went to get the keys to the prison. He couldn't give them to Peter just yet. He had to purchase the keys. And after his resurrection, you can read what he said in Revelations 1 and 18. He said, I am he that liveth. I was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Amen. And I have the keys of death and hell. Now, because he has the keys, he can fulfill his promise to Peter. I will give you the keys. He couldn't give them until after the plan was fulfilled, until he could say, it is finished. My part of the plan is complete. My part of the plan is complete. Now the enemy, his plan is to steal, to kill, and to destroy, according to John 10 and 10. But I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So let's take a look at how Peter used these keys that Jesus purchased with his own blood and handed over to him. In Acts chapter two, verse number 36, the conclusion of Peter's message on the day of Pentecost, he said these words in verse 36. Remember, he came unto his own and his own received him not. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. That's pretty harsh words. This is not politically correct. This would offend some people unless there is a willingness to be obedient to God's plan. And when they heard this, verse 37, they were pricked in their heart and they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Let's hear the rest of the plan, Peter. You're the one that has the keys. They asked you and the rest of the apostles, what do you have to say? And he took the key and he stuck it in the door and he said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and to your children and to those that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Do you know why he stuck 39 in there? Because when he was about to be crucified, the Jews rose up and said, let his, if, he, if we're guilty of, of a sin or a crime, let his blood be on us and on our children. Let this be a generational curse if we're doing wrong by Jesus. But in the great mercy of God, the plan of salvation comes forth 
And even the promise includes the cursed generations that would follow. What an opportunity we, what a great plan this is. A plan that, that allows you to come and tell God what he already knows and forsake the direction you're going in repentance. A plan that allows you to be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins so that the blood of Calvary can cleanse you of your sins. A plan that includes God coming and living inside of you in the form of his spirit so that you have the same power that he had and that you have the power of the resurrection when he comes. What a great plan. What a fulfillment of what God has for us. I'm thankful today for God's plan. I want to give you one last illustration today before I invite you to this altar. And I realize I could be criticized for this, but this is what I feel I need to share with you. I'm, I can't remember the last time I played cards, but I can remember playing cards years ago, and, and I certainly don't condone gambling. I'm against gambling. So that's my disclaimer for what I'm about to tell you. But in one sense... If this is a parable of some kind, maybe you could look at it that way. There's a card game that's been going on between Satan and the Lord. Satan's been holding his cards and he's been bluffing. He's been saying things. He's been winking. He's been trying to give the impression that he's got a good hand. But it's all just a bluff. On the other side, Jesus has a hand and he can keep a straight face. You won't always be able to read him. You won't always know what he's got. But he knows what he's doing and he's got a plan. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so at the time of Calvary, you might say, Jesus said, I'm all in and I'm calling. Show me what you got. And Satan couldn't resist. He said, Jesus, I got a full house. How full are your houses? My houses. My houses are full. I I got a full house. I got the kings and I got the queens. What kind of people you got? I got a... I got a full house. And he laid his cards out. Three kings, two queens, full house. And Jesus just smiled. He said, well, I got the last king. I'm the first and I'm the last. And by the way, I know you got three kings, but I'm the king of kings. So I got the king of hearts. Anybody preaching with me? Maybe God will give you a dispensation to be worldly for 10 minutes. I've got the king of hearts. Is that all you got? No, I I got the queen of hearts. I call it the church. That's my bride. That's all you got? You got the king of hearts? You got the queen of hearts? Oh yeah, I got some other ones. I got here, I got the 
I got the ten of hearts and I got the jack of hearts, the queen of hearts, the king of hearts, and I got the ace of hearts. That's a royal flush. Anybody preaching with me? A royal flush. And a royal flush beats a full house anytime. So to quote Kenny Rogers, you gotta know when to hold them, but you gotta know when to fold them. You gotta know when to walk away, and buddy, it is time for you to run. He wins again. He wins all the time. He doesn't know how to lose. I am so thankful today to know the rest of God's plan. And I'm going to say it one last time as you stand. Let's stand together. I'm going to say it one last time. God has not multiple plans. He has one plan. Everything about God is one. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I mean, that pretty well covers it. He said, I have all power in heaven and in earth. Hey, who are you going to stand behind? I have one plan. I've purchased the keys, and I've given the keys to Peter, and now we have a set of keys, folks. Everybody in this room knows the plan. But what is good as a key unless you use it to unlock a door so that you can enter into God's plan for your life. Jesus, thank you for fulfilling the plan. A plan we didn't see, a plan the enemy didn't see, but now a plan that we can all see. Thank you for your humility. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your power. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.